this week is the third and um, the final part of our vision series. We've been walking through over these um, last, um, I guess, like three sessions um, about inviting people into family to serve Swindon. So, so Joel and Kath have, have beautifully um, landed us now. So with this week, we're going to be talking about um, serving Swindon. Uh, just by way of context, my, my family and I, we moved to Swindon from uh, Leafy Surrey about eight months ago. Eight months ago this week, in fact. And um, I know, hasn't that gone really quickly? Um, yeah, yeah we, um, do you know what? We love Swindon. What, what a brilliant place to be. I mean, like... I don't know, somewhere in my mind, I thought that we might end up in, um, you know, by the sea or something like that. I mean, I guess you couldn't really get much further from the sea living in Swindon, but, but we've come to love this place. One of the things that we noticed really early on, though, is that we would say to people um, from Swindon, oh, we love Swindon, and they'd go, yeah, it's great because you can get to Bath, or it's like right at the bottom of the Cotswolds, like you can, you can get to London quite easily. It's like, no, no, no like we actually like, like really like living in Swindon. It's a wicked place to be. Um, just as a kind of measure of what this place is like, is actually how quickly we've settled, how quickly our kids have found friendships and all that. Like, Swindon is a really warm-hearted and loving place to be. And, and I think that just the fact that we feel so at home so quickly is, is because Swindon is a brilliant, brilliant place. And yesterday we, we actually um, went back to, uh, to Surrey for a birthday party and it definitely felt like we were coming home as we were driving back up the M4. And I, I said to my kids, um, so guys, what is the best thing about Swindon? And one of my children, who shall remain nameless, said, McDonald's. I was like, if there is an answer to that question that is poorer than that, I don't know what it is, because there, there's literally a McDonald's in every town like, across the world. Yeah, and praise God for McDonald's, but, um, you know, never mind. I mean, like Swindon Town are at the top of the league at the moment. How, how long are they going to stay there for, Ian? <laughs> Till they go up. Yeah, of course, of course. Swindon is a brilliant, brilliant place. But at the same time, you'd have to be sort of slightly blind to overlook the fact that Swindon isn't yet perfect. There are lots of things that, that aren't great that are going on in our town. Loads of social issues. Just by, by way of example, um, there are places in our town where if you're a man, your life expectancy is 14 years less than if you live in somewhere else in our town. That is not okay. It's not okay that that, that, that that is even the case. But that's just one example of things that are not okay. And actually, if you've been around Patton Church for any length of time, you'll hear us say that God's heart breaks for those that are on the outside. We, we often talk from Luke 15 um, about three, the three stories, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Three stories that have the same meaning that Jesus tells in a row to remind us that God's heart breaks for those on the outside. If you're, if you're new to Patton Church this morning and you're wondering what our heart is towards the town, just encourage you to read Luke chapter 15 and, and just, just feel some of what we are thinking about the town. 
We often also talk about the 200,000 people in it who are living in our town who aren't connected with the church and that we have some sense of a, of a calling and a mandate to those 200,000 people. And what I just recognized this morning is that there is a chunk of that 200,000 people for whom life is actually a real struggle isn't it? That, that whether it's for finance or health or, or some other reason, that some people in our town of that 200,000, and even some of us probably here today, are living with some of those struggles. So this morning, I want to map out what, what I believe, what we believe, uh, some, some kind of a response to that might be for our church. So we're going to read from um, the book of Micah. Micah is in the Old Testament, they call him a minor prophet, which doesn't mean that he's less important, it just means that he said less than some of the major prophets. Um, I like to think it's because it, like what he said was really kind of condensed. And, and the prophet Micah was, was, um, was around 700 years before Jesus was around. But he was speaking truth into a culture that had kind of lost its way, and a society that was a bit broken. He went after things like dishonesty in the marketplace or corruption in the government. Like lots that I'm pretty sure that we can relate to. Isn't it amazing sometimes how when you read the Bible and you're reading something that was written well over two and a half thousand years ago, how the, the issues that they're confronting there seem to have a lot of echoes and resonance in the society that we're living in today. You know, we're living in lots of ways in a broken society that leans towards um, a few people, that, that, that leans towards a few people at the expense of some other people. And so that is the context, the kind of context that Micah was, was speaking into at that time. He was a prophet, he was a farmer, he wasn't from like the rich elite or anything like that. Um, and he was speaking truth to power um, 700 years before Jesus um, And so these are the kind of things that he said. We're going to read from Micah chapter 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Amen. So, worship in the Old Testament looked quite different to what it looks like now. You know, like skinny jeans and a kind of angular haircut didn't really cut it. Joe, you did really well with the skinny jeans this morning, rocking the skinny jeans, because he's got skinny legs, obviously. But in the people of Israel, they had this sacrificial system of animals and crops, and there was this rhythm to it. They were regularly, periodically coming back to God, receiving the forgiveness of God, and giving, bringing of their best, of their crops, of their animals, whatever it was, in order to make that connection back with God. But over time, the people of Israel had kind of lost track of all of that. They'd, they'd become mechanical in their worship. And they weren't asking the right kind of questions. So they were asking things like, what do I need to give to, to, give to God to keep him happy? So that's what the first half of this passage is about. 
What do I need to give God to make him happy? But it's the wrong question. The question that they should have been asking is, what does it mean to overflow with worship and thankfulness? So Micah um, speaks this vision of what he believes God's vision for life looks like. And it's, it's, it might be tucked away in the Old Testament, but, it, but Jesus quotes it twice to the religious leaders of his time. And it's this, act justly. In fact, um, the kind of the Hebrew that it was written in is do justice. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. And walking humbly with God is something that, that perhaps we, we find quite easy to understand. You know, we, we come here on a Sunday and we love it that we can sing our hearts out to God. And we can, uh, through the week maybe, we can read the Bible and we can invite God into our lives in prayer. And we have this enormous privilege of, of God uh, and our relationship being restored. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus, that our relationship with Jesus is fixed and so we can walk humbly with God. But Micah doesn't believe that, that that's where it stops. We don't just walk humbly with God. There is more to it. There is more that we can do. Um, a, a couple of Fridays ago, I was... Um, um, Friday's my day off, and yet I'd been doing some um, kind of vicaring in the morning. I'd, um, I'd visited, visited a place in my role as a curate of the church. I was feeling quite proud of myself, to be honest. Um, cycling back from the other side of town, so proud that I thought, I know, I'll treat myself to a new pair of jeans. So I did. And uh, I went into, the, into Gap and uh, bought, bought, in fact, I bought two new pairs of jeans, and they gave me a deal on them. It was brilliant. Like, this is one of them. Yeah, very nice. And uh, anyway, so then I, I was cycling on my way home, and uh, it's, about, it's kind of about a four and a half mile cycle back from there to my house. And just as I was coming, like in the home straight, basically, down the hill, round the corner, um, towards uh, where I live, um, a gust of wind took the pair of jeans that was hung over the handlebars of my bicycle into the front wheel of the bicycle. And the bike immediately stopped, and I didn't. I carried on, and I kind of flew through the air. And, uh, and in fact, I'm not really quite sure how I landed. It all sort of happened in a bit of a blur. Um, but I do know that when I landed on the ground, I was completely winded. And as I was sort of lying there on the ground, <laughs> like that, <laughs> I was is it wrong that I was thinking, this is going to make a brilliant sermon illustration? The thing is, I was happily coasting along into the rest of whatever I was going to do that day. But I stopped rather suddenly. I stopped short. I didn't continue into what I was doing. I was catastrophically cut short. And you know what? I think it's easy for us to, to live life like the Israel that Micah was talking to, in a Sunday rhythm, but artificially, kind of suddenly, stop short without running into all that God has for us in our life. So, we can do the walking with God bit, 
but we can stop short and miss out on the justice and mercy that God wants us to walk with. The thing is that mercy and justice aren't really so popular in our time today. In fact, they kind of don't seem really to go together. They seem like opposites. I think in the wrong hands, mercy and justice are opposites. In the wrong hands, mercy looks weak and foolish. It looks like letting guilty people off the hook. And justice looks like revenge and retribution. It looks like punishing innocent people. But in God's hands, mercy loves people through change and into thriving. And justice restores dignity and removes oppression. You know what? That's God's character in a nutshell. Mercy and justice. My family and I, we like to go bowling and... um, we we put the we have to put the bumpers up because everyone else apart from me is completely useless. But what, but 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 what I've discovered is that if you put the bumpers up, actually it's impossible to lose. Have you, do you know that? Like if you throw the ball, no matter what you do, you basically knock down all the pins. I've, I really, I still don't know how you lose. But anyway, that's kind of a bit beside the point. Um, what I, my kind of um, mechanical. Uh, engineering brain really loves the contraption that takes the, the, you know, you throw the ball, it knocks the pins all over the place, it kind of in chaos all over the place. My brain loves the machine that sweeps them, collects them, uh, like sends them up into the sky somehow and then restores them back into the perfect shape, the right relationship with each other. It restores the harmony, it takes the squashed and the, and the kind of... Um, chaotic ones from the bottom of the heap and restores them back to the place where they ought to be. I don't know whether you could see where I'm going with this. But that's what mercy and justice is like. When we, when we follow God's call into mercy and justice, we can be inv- involved in taking the chaos and restoring it, restoring people back into right relationship with each other, um, removing people from the bottom of the heap and placing them back where they need to be. That's what mercy and justice do in God's hands. And church, that's what we're called to be, mercy and justice people. Mercy and justice people. But Micah's Israel had lost sight of all of this. They'd stopped short suddenly in the mechanical uh, rhythm of worship. And they were missing out on all that God had for them in terms of mercy and justice. When um, Hannah and I were first dating, she said to me that um, she would like to adopt children later on in her life and she turned to me and she said uh, Paul would you be up for adoption and I said of course darling (laughs) I kind of thought perhaps it might go away or you know I didn't really think it through an awful lot to be honest with you Uh, until about um, six five six years ago when um, Hannah said you know I really think that we should explore adoption so I took it more seriously, and, um, and we, we went and we started speaking to the local authority, and um, 
to cut a long story short, we ended up um, adopting our youngest daughter. And actually, I talked to her about this yesterday, so she does know that I'm going to share some of this. But, um, you know, it would have been an awful lot easier for us not to have adopted a child, actually. Um, but I, I just remember, like, the, the very first time. So the adoption process is really long, and you go through all these panels and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but we really felt that God was in it, that God was calling us. Actually, it was a mercy, mercy and justice thing. Like, there were children that don't have mums and dads. And so we wanted to be involved in that. And um, so the, the very first time... Um, after we'd been approved that, that we met Jada, we actually we'd met her very briefly before it had all gone through, but, but um, we, went to, we went to meet her for the very first time um, as her parents. And we were only there, there's like a staged introduction thing, and so we were just there with her for a couple of hours. And then at the end of the, our time with her, we went to say goodbye to her, and she said, it's been lovely to meet you. And it's been wonderful to call you mummy and daddy. Now, there's lots going on there. It's actually not all healthy. But I want to say that at that time, God poured into my heart something of the Father's heart his love towards me as his, as, as his adopted son that I would have missed out on. If I hadn't, if we, if we hadn't taken that step. You know, there are, there are loads of other things. Like, um, we, we actually miraculously provided for financially over a number of months. And um, we would have missed out on that if we hadn't taken the step of being mercy and justice people in that situation. And I don't, I don't hold out our family as any great example. You know, I mean, I get plenty of stuff wrong. But just my own personal testimony, it's my story that, that if we hadn't done that, just think of, like, Jada is charismatic and funny and kind and hilarious and, and like, one of the cleverest people you'd met. But we've, it's, it's not an easy life. Like there's, like, there's loads of medical appointments and social workers and all of that. There's so much aggravation in it, and yet it's one of the most beautiful things that I've ever been privileged to be involved in. And I thought I was doing it for somebody else. That's, that's God's mercy and justice and what it does for us. You know, around this room there will be dozens of people who are involved in, in being mercy and justice people all over our town and beyond. And I want to thank you. You know, you are extraordinary people um, sowing the purposes and the heart of God into some of the most difficult circumstances. You are amazing. But I wonder, what happens if we apply this en masse? If we become mercy and justice people to the whole of Swindon? 
if we see others invited to the family. I mean, we had a glimpse a couple of weeks ago of, um, of uh, we baptized 10 people. Come on, 10 people. And, uh, and we, we keep talking about 1,000 baptisms. We're going after 1,000 baptisms. But what hadn't really struck me is that um, every single one of those, beaut- one of those uh, people getting baptized is a beautiful person with an amazing story of their life transforms, of God's intervention in life. Imagine that, 1,000 of them. It's going to be extraordinary. We're going to see people thrive. We're going to see society more equal. We're going to see opportunities for all. I'm praying that we are literally going to be seeing people live longer in our town. I'm going to, I think we're going to see Swindon become a little bit more like heaven. And so today, I'm really excited uh, to, to launch something that has been brewing um, with us for a long time. Uh, I'm really hoping that we're going to see a revolution of service released from, um, from our church across the town. And we're calling it the Servolution. How cool is that? I've even given it a cool name. Well, just to tell you how we got here, like, you guys are all incredible people. You're spread all over the town and beyond. We've got people coming from kind of Farringdon on one side, Bassett on the other. And uh, you're passionate about so many different things. You have entrepreneurial gifts and creative gifts and pastoral gifts. Uh, therefore, uh, it didn't feel right for us now to launch um, or to dive into one or two big projects, although we really think that they might surface over time. We wanted to release everybody into their gifts and their calling uh, to be mercy and justice people all over Swindon. And so um, the, the Servolution has got the following building blocks, and you can say it in a natty sentence. The challenge that we're bringing is this, that for, for one hour in our week, in 2020, we're going to take a mate with us on a journey and we're going to start serving all over the town. And then we're going to be celebrating. So, um, just to say, like the reason why we think it's great to take a friend with you, to take a mate with you on this journey, is, for, is because things like, it can be really hard, actually, to, is, or quite nerve-wracking to sign up for something and then to turn up on your own. So if you turn up, if you've got a mate with you and you both do it, you can kind of hold each other accountable, you can pitch up, um, you can get involved in something. But also, I really believe that some of the 200,000 people who aren't currently connected to church would love to be involved in serving the town. Um, you know, just think about the people that you know from the school gate or from the pub or wherever it might be, who've, who actually carry something already of the heart of God for our town. And we can walk with them in releasing them in serving Swindon and actually I really believe that people are going to come to know Jesus through getting their hands dirty and serving Swindon. So then in terms of serving there are a whole bunch of different ways that we would love to see you released into serving across the town. Um, You might serve the town by um, serving a, a brilliant project. There's so many people doing incredible things all over our town, and we're going to introduce you to some of those um, a, in a few minutes. But the, you could get stuck in with serving at the night shelter or um, with Safe Families for Children. You know, there are already 10 families across Swindon who are um, the recipients of love through Safe Families for Children f- um, by people from Patton Church. Ten, 10 families that are being supported by people from Patton Church. Amazing. So you could do that. You could, you could also, you could join a Patton Church team. 
for example, you could join the, the welcoming team and you could welcome strangers into the family every week. What an extraordinary privilege that would be. Or you could sow yourself into the civic life of the town. You could run for um, council or become a magistrate or a, a school governor or a chaplain to something. And you could challenge justice from the in, injustice from the inside. Or, because there are a whole bunch of entrepreneurial type people in the room, you could start something new. You and your mate um, living in Bassett could have a real heart for something. You could, you could gather lonely people or visit people in care homes or pick litter or start knitting hats for um, premature babies or plant community gardens or, I don't know, you could do anything you like. Like feel released into serving the town. And then lastly, the celebration bit. We are going to cheer you on. Um, Week in, week out, we're going to celebrate you. We're going to cheer you on. We're all going to be um, looking out for each other and encouraging each other, celebrating the trying. Um, sometimes things won't work out. You'll have a go at something. You'll find out it was not really you or it, didn't, or it doesn't work for your, for your shift pattern or whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. Try something else. But we're going to be cheering you on and celebrating you all the way. And so I wonder, there's probably 150 people in this room today. And if 150 people gave an hour a week for the next till the end of the year. That's like over 7,000 hours of blessing, of mercy and justice that we could bring to our town. You know, you I'm not going to twist your arm. You don't have to do this. But, um, you know, my experience is, as we step into these things, if we don't stop at, at um, being worshipping people, if we, if we continue into being mercy and justice people, then we receive so much more than we give. Your life will definitely be more complicated and probably much harder work, but you will live a life that is richer and more fulfilled. You know, we are a brand new church. We've only been going for 12 months. But I have this sense that what we do um, this year in the early life of this church will create a culture and when it creates a culture, people will look back on it in 30 years' time. And they'll say things like, this is the most loving church I've ever been to. Or they'll say, isn't it wonderful how um, Swindon is such a wonderful place? And they'll be able to, to draw a line back to what us guys in this room this morning committed to do over the rest of 2020. So I wonder, like, who are you passionate about? What, in what way are you going to serve? Who are you going to pour yourself out for this year? What kind of things are sparking in your imagination? What's God bringing to you by his spirit right now that you could be involved in? It's a challenge, isn't it? It's going to be hard work. But just think what Swindon might look like if we all become mercy and justice people.